The sermon I will read was prepared by Reverend Slump, retired minister of the church in Edmonton. He chose for a text Ecclesiastes 1, verse 13, and chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. I'd like to read those again. Then I saw that wisdom excels folly, as light excels darkness. No, um, that was chapter 2, chapter 113. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men by which they may be exercised. In chapter 2, verses 24 24 through 26, Nothing is better for a man than he should eat and drink, and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also, I saw, was from the hand of God. For who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner... He gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Beloved congregation of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, did you know that the suicide rate in the last 45 years has risen by 60%? Those who experienced the dirty 30s or the war and the years after the war know that those times were economically poor times. You could hardly get enough food or drink or even shelter. There was also little time for leisure and at the end of the day there was also very very little left for luxuries. Today it's much different. We live in a time of affluence. We have food and drink in abundance and time for entertainment and leisure. Why then is the suicide rate going up? Why are we not any happier today? There is nothing new under the sun. The teacher observed the same kind of thing. He observed that happiness and contentment are not tied to wealth and prosperity. There are other things at play. There are other reasons why there is such emptiness in the lives of people. Such unhappy and depressed people look for their happiness and contentment in the wrong place. After speaking about the futility of life under the sun, the teacher brings God into the picture in chapter 2, verse 24. He says that happiness and contentment and wisdom can only come from God. Please understand that when I'm speaking about unhappiness and depression here, I'm not speaking about those whose depression is due to chemical imbalances or other physical or environmental reasons. No, I'm speaking about those who are depressed and unhappy because of their empty lifestyles, because they live their lives without God. The teacher is a wise man. He is wise not because he learned his lesson from the world, but because he learned from the Lord God. 
He learned that only with God can you find true satisfaction and enjoyment and pleasure. That is the message of this sermon. The Lord gives true pleasure only to those who please Him. We will see the pursuit of the earthly pleasure, and number two, the gift of divine pleasure. We'll begin with the pursuit of earthly pleasure. In verse 13 of chapter 1, we read that the teacher devoted himself to study and exploration. He was diligent and a keen student. However, he did not do his learning in a classroom or a library or a laboratory. No, his classroom and laboratory was the world. He carefully read the book of life. He was very thorough in his study. It says that he devoted himself to study. In reality, the text refers here to the heart, as our King James Version states. He gave his heart in his seeking and searching. To the original reader, to the Jewish mind, the heart refers to the totality of the inner life of a person. When you give your heart to something, then you give your mind and your will and your emotions. For that reason, other translations speak about the mind, that he applied his mind to this search. The point is that the teacher gave everything that he had to that study, He used all his senses in order to come to a conclusion in this matter. He was very sincere and earnest in his search. It wasn't something superficial. Note well that once again he speaks here about his search under heaven. Earlier he spoke about under the sun. These are parallel expressions. They mean the same thing. In other words, His search was a horizontal search. He looked at things merely from man's perspective. He did not, he did his search at first without putting God in the picture. And as he says, he devoted himself to study and to explore by wisdom. The concept of wisdom is mentioned throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. If you want to understand the book of Ecclesiastes, then you first have to understand what the Old Testament concept of wisdom refers to. It is not the kind of wisdom that the Greek philosophers had in mind. To these philosophers and those who follow them, wisdom has to do with rational thought. You're wise when you are able to think things through and to come to a logical conclusion. Philosophers reduced wisdom to theoretical and contemplative virtue. But that is certainly not what Ecclesiastes had in mind. To the teacher, wisdom is not based on theory or speculation, but on practice. A wise person is someone who is able to deal skillfully with life and its problems. He is prudent and clever and innovative. He knows how to avoid the pitfalls of life. He is able to find shortcuts to success. You can even be wise, that is, skillful with your hands. For example, it says in Exodus 28, verse 3, Tell all the skilled men to
to whom I have given wisdom in such matters, that they are to make garments for Aaron, for his consecration, so that he might serve me as priest. Elsewhere in Exodus it says that you are wise when you have knowledge in in all kinds of crafts. And so wisdom has to do with skill. Here in Ecclesiastes, it especially refers to the skill of life. How well you are able to handle life. There are many people who are good at this. Especially secular people because this life is all that they have. They learn how skillfully to maneuver through life. The text says that the teacher sought things out by wisdom. In other words, he employed all the worldly skills that he had learned over the many years. He is near the end of his life, and he had the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to search out all the aspects of human existence. He found that one of the great pleasures of life is found in laughter and wine. As king, he could afford to throw lavish parties and to hire all kinds of entertainers. You can just imagine a king sitting back in his lavish palace, sipping wine and eating good food while being entertained by skillful magicians and court gestures. Make no mistake about it. The Hebrew, the Hebrew people knew how to have a good time. After all, didn't the Lord God say already in Genesis that he gave man to enjoy all that is pleasing to the eye and good for food? That is true also after the fall into sin. And so we could sing from Psalm 104 verse 4 that the Lord God made grass for the cattle and wild beasts and that he gave plants for a man who on his bounty feasts. And so the teacher enjoyed all the good things that life had to offer. Brothers and sisters, you and I can do the same. The Lord gives us, especially in this day and age, many things to enjoy. Never before in the history of mankind could man enjoy such luxuries. A variety of foods from all over the world is available to you. We can enjoy tropical foods and fresh vegetables even in the midst of winter. We can enjoy every kind of meat imaginable, all kinds of refreshing drinks. All these things are readily available to us. And what about entertainment? We can bring the world right into our living room through satellite TV and the movies. We also have ready access to all kinds of information and entertainment through the internet. We can be entertained in concert halls. We can enjoy cruises and exotic vacations. We too can all live like kings. And yet, as a teacher wondered, is there real contentment in any of these? No. Oh, sure, it's good to have a laugh. It's good to have a glass of wine. It's good to enjoy the company of good friends. It's good to enjoy the good life. But the truth is that if that's all there is to life, then you are still left with an empty feeling in the pit of your stomach. Then you are still not satisfied. 
There's got to be more to life. That's also what the teacher found. Why is that? Why is genuine satisfaction and contentment so elusive? Why is it that many of those people who cannot afford exotic vacations and good food and drink and fame and wealth can be much happier than those of us who can? Well, if your interest in the good life is foremost, if that's what you want more than anything else, then yours is an empty and futile pursuit, for there will be no end to it. You will always want more and better and greater. You will want what someone else has, and somebody else always has more. And then you will also pursue such things at all costs. You will use other people for your own selfish purposes. You will exploit them. In the end, you will have contempt for them for not serving you in the way you expected. For if that's your passion in life, then you like nothing better than to have others serve you. You become dependent on others to give you the good life, to give you happiness. But brothers and sisters, God did not create us in order to be served. He did not create us so that we could just sit back and take it all in for our own selfish purposes. God created us to serve. Do you want to find true happiness in life? Then learn how to serve. For true happiness is only found in service. Service to others. The Lord Jesus served us as an example. He clearly stated that he came as a servant. As he stated in Mark 10 verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Does that mean then that we cannot enjoy life? No, you certainly can enjoy life. As the teacher says, you can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in your work. It's all from the hand of God. But there is a lot more to life than the pursuit of earthly pleasures. That's only the gravy, it's not the main meal. Indeed, there are many things to be enjoyed. We can enjoy the service of others. We can enjoy times of leisure. We can enjoy good food and drink. These are all God's gifts to us. It is clear from the rest of the book of Ecclesiastes that the teacher would even consider it evil if a person who had all the many blessings from the Lord but would not enjoy them. In so doing, you would scorn the gift and the giver. But the Lord God wants us to put all things into perspective. He wants us to have our priorities right. These things are a reward from God. And you can only enjoy the service of others if you first of all are a servant yourself. As I said, those who seek pleasure for the sake of pleasure alone will never have enough. 
The more you get, the less enjoyment you get out of it. Such lifestyles can also lead to all kinds of addictions, to alcoholism, drug addiction, gambling, and sex addictions. The same thing is true of work. It is good to enjoy your work, but to some people, their work is their opium. It is their drug. It is the only thing they really get any enjoyment out of. In the end, they become workaholics. The teacher had something to say about that as well. At first, the teacher received much pleasure from his work. But as time wore on, he found that it became grievous to him. He said that his heart began to despair over all his toilsome labor under the sun. Many of us can also identify with that. We work very hard, and often at night we lay awake fretting about it. We become anxious and irritable because of the many things that need our attention. Our work can take our lives completely over. We toil and we labor. We gain standing in the community and acquire many things over a lifetime. But the point will come when you wonder why. What's the use? What am I doing it for? The teacher was able to acquire many goods through his toil. He was also able to hire many workers so he could accumulate great wealth. But in the end, this gave no satisfaction. Brothers and sisters, work is a blessing from the Lord. And so is the fruit of our labor. Can you imagine if you did not have a job? People who are unemployed for an extended period of time often become depressed. They no longer feel that they have a purpose in life. God created us for work. That is why he also put Adam and Eve to work in the Garden of Eden. It says in Genesis 2 verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Work is a blessing from God, and I have no doubt that in the life hereafter, the Lord God will also put us to work. And that work will be nothing but enjoyment and pleasure. However, work for the sake of work itself, work for the sake of acquiring things, will only leave you empty and unfulfilled. Listen to what the Lord God says in Isaiah 55, verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. The teacher observed these things. He saw that those who worked and worked and worked and acquired things for themselves, that they got no pleasure out of these things. Not themselves, but when they died, their possessions would go to others who did not work for those things and would not appreciate them. 
There are those who become totally absorbed in their work because they want to escape from something. They want to escape from their responsibilities and other things. They use work as an excuse not to have to deal with other matters. They absorb themselves in work so they can escape from family problems or personal problems. They seek their pleasure in work because only through their work can they find satisfaction. Only in their work can they receive recognition. But in the end, it doesn't cut it. People will praise you for your work and your efforts only as long as you are of use to them. When that's no longer the case, they will discard you like yesterday's garbage. Brothers and sisters, true pleasure comes from God alone. That brings us to our second point, the gift of divine pleasure. The text says to the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. Literally, it says that God gives these things to the man who is good before his face. In other words, as you enjoy the things of life, you must have your gaze fixed on God. You have to look God in the eye, so to speak, as you go about your daily business, as you enjoy the things that this world has to offer. After all, as the teacher says, these things come from the hand of God. He is the one who hands them to you. Only he will truly appreciate you. Only he will keep his promises. You can only depend on him. Don't forget that your beautiful house, your thriving business, your challenging job, your shiny new car, your fashionable clothes, your food and drink, and your enjoyable time of leisure, they all come from the Lord's hand. You could not have them if it was not for the Lord God. Do you want to get the most out of life? Do you wish to be happy? Then put God into the picture. Be good before his face. Look at him, not at your navel. Don't think about the things that will serve you. Let the Lord God worry about that. As the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 6, verses 25 and 26, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap, or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? In other words, keep the Lord God and His will in mind as you pursue earthly matters. Put everything in the proper perspective. Do not just look at things under the sun, but look above the sun at health at heaven itself, where God dwells. Your blessings come from Him alone. That's the way it is for us. And that includes you, young people, who are about to make a career for yourselves. 
and build a life here on earth. Don't get caught up in the pursuit of pleasure and material things in the way that the world does. It really is an empty pursuit. It will leave you disappointed and disillusioned. You will find no satisfaction. Listen to what the Lord God is saying to you in his word. Know his will. Don't leave God out of the picture. The teacher didn't do that either. After his pursuit of pleasure under heaven, he found that real satisfaction is found only in heaven, with God. He says, For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? He also says, What a heavy burden God has laid on men. Other translations speak about unhappiness, about the unhappy business that God has given to man. Without God, life is tough. Only when you're a child of God can you take it all in stride. For we know that at the end of the day, we will be delivered from this world full of sin and misery. Have you ever listened to the beautiful singing of a bird at the end of the day? Those little creatures the whole day long do nothing but try to survive. They constantly have to look out for and hide from their enemies, from birds of prey and other creatures. They are forever scrounging for food for themselves and for their little ones. A bird's life is a hard life, and yet, at the end of each day, he finds himself high on a perch and sings his heart out. And now here we are, safe and sound, with food and drink dropped in our laps. We have the promise from God that one day we will enjoy his great bounty to the fullest in life hereafter. And yet, we often complain about the things we do not have and about the little annoyances in life. We are jealous of others who have more than we do. Shouldn't you and I of all God's creatures, be singing about his wonderful blessings? Shouldn't we be singing God's praises? While we live on this earth, the Lord God even gives us the fruit of labor and the wealth of our unbelieving creatures. Listen to what the teacher says. He says that to the sinner he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth only to hand it over to those who please God. Commentators do not quite know what to make of this statement. They could come up with only a few scenarios. They just point to a few examples where the wealth of sinners is given to God's people. They point, for example, to the Israelites who, when they left Egypt, took the gold and silver of the Egyptians with them. The wealth of the Egyptians went to the Israelites. They also point out that the wealth in the temple came from David's military exploits. In other words, it came from God's enemies. However, in this minister's opinion, the teacher has in mind everything that belongs to God, everything that worldly people toil for here on earth will revert to God's people. For don't forget... As believers, we, were, we are the ones who will inherit the world, inherit the earth, 
and everything in it. Isn't that also what the Lord Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry? He said in Matthew 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians 3, 21 through 23, All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world of life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Brothers and sisters, God gives you your blessings only because of Christ. It is only because you belong to Christ that God so richly blesses you. All your blessings are given to you only because of him. He defeated Satan. He nailed our sins to the cross. Through him, our selfishness and our empty pursuit of material well-being is forgiven. Our sins are forgiven as long as we humble ourselves before him and acknowledge how prone we are to stumble and to go after things that do not really satisfy. And so why do you think that people are less happy now than in previous years? No doubt this has to do with the fact that mankind no longer seeks his well-being from God. At, what t- at one time, Canada was mainly a Christian nation. So were the European countries. Sadly, that is no longer the case. Canada and Western Europe have become secular in their outlook. By and large, man no longer looks to God for his satisfaction and well-being, in spite of the fact that we are so rich. Brothers and sisters, let's not fall into the same trap Let us praise God for his blessings. Let us fix our eyes on him from whom all blessings flow. Only he can give you true happiness and satisfaction and enjoyment. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we praise you for all the blessings you give us every day in our work and play. Help us to fix our eyes on you from whom all blessings flow. Make us realize that only you can give us true happiness and satisfaction. In Jesus' name, amen.